number one is is that transition for any of us, whether it is a transition in career, whether it is a transition from being single to engaged to be to being married to divorced or from transitioning from being overweight to in shape, whatever it is, the transitions can be very disorienting. They could also be very discouraging where the progress um, might be steady, but it feels like nothing's happening. I always like to use this analogy, like the earth, the earth spins, but you don't feel it move. Right. And uh, it's the same thing when it comes to transition. All right. Episode number two. Um, I am really excited about this because uh, the person I have on my right on my screen, uh, Mr. Rich Cardona, um, I don't know if you know him, but I am just such honored because of his background, which is U.S. Marine, um, his, uh, you know, ethics. The, the thing that I like about him is that he brought that service attitude or uh, I guess the, uh, you know, the emotion of service, like being at service first, um, in his business and his career. And that is who he is. Like every time I have interacted, I don't know him for more than a few months. And every time I have just sent a message, he has just responded and he's just helped me a great deal. So I am so excited to be here. I know he's going to bring about so many things that will make difference in your, you know, life. If you're listening to this, if you're watching this. So welcome, Rich. And I'm glad to take this with you. I'm happy to be here, man. Like episode two, uh, let's do it. I, I plan on on bringing it for you and your audience, and I I know what you're about, uh, so it means a lot to me to be on here, and, and I appreciate the opportunity. All right, welcome. So well, let's dive right into it. How about you start with your journey? Uh, maybe you know, growing up, what life was like, and how you went into uh, you know. Um, your first career and then transitioning into what you are doing now. Absolutely. Um, so I'm a first generation American. Um, so my, my father's from Colombia and my mother's from Honduras and, you know, we were born here and uh, what I knew was what I saw. Um, what I, I didn't know was, was why they came here, you know, and I, I realized what they came here for to the States was, for access, uh, there was limited opportunities where they came from, and, and that's what their parents believed, and that's what they thought, so they came here. And, um, you know, what that meant for me as a child is just watching uh, a work ethic, uh, a work ethic that was deliberate, that was uh, always trying to get us to a different level, uh, a different uh, income bracket, uh, better housing, better school system, all these things. So I just watched that growing up. Um, but, uh, when I was in school and high school, I just didn't really care. I took a lot of things for granted. Uh, I was really, I just couldn't concentrate that much. My social life was a big priority to me. And ultimately I realized, uh, that I was going nowhere. So I decided to join the Marine Corps, um, anxiously, uh, and by anxiously, I mean, you know, with fear, uh, but I, I knew it was something I needed to do. And I joined the Marine Corps and I spent 17 years in the Marines. And when I retired early at 34, I was in the Marine. I had spent half my life in the Marine Corps. So that was kind of crazy, but I was an enlisted Marine first. And then I ended up, um, getting to be a commissioned officer. And then I was flying attack helicopters, which was a fantastic duty assignment. And uh, I'm very blessed for that. That, whole entire area of my career uh, was pivotal for me in, in so many ways about how I operate now and what my mindset is now. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just loosening up some of the rigidity that you, that you get from a structured environment like that. Uh, then I, I went to Amazon um, uh, after I retired for a couple of years. I did not enjoy my time there at all. I thought it was going to be just this amazing experience. And it, it, it was not for me personally. And I ended up uh, coming across a guy who you and I both know, Gary V. And I, I ended up yeah. quitting my job and um, I, I quit my job. I went all in on myself, started exploring my curiosities. That was first photography, then it was videography, and then it was storytelling. And, and now ultimately podcast production, which is what I, I love to do. 
And, uh, and here we are. So I'm about almost three years into the journey. Um, you know, very small first year, second year, we hit 250, uh, 250K in revenue, which is great. And then uh, last year, or this year, uh, we'll see how it works out. But we have a lot of good things happening in the business. And I have a lot of lessons that I could share, uh, depending on what you and your audience want to know about. But um, I, I could tell you that uh, there's certainly an element of emotional intelligence and soft skills that is very underplayed uh, coming from the environments I used to be in. And um, I'm, I'm really glad I've been able to kind of unearth them because that has benefited my biz- business tremendously. Wow, wonderful. I can relate to so many things like uh, about your childhood and not paying attention. I was the same, like, you know, I didn't know uh, growing up in India. But I also, uh, I think one thing... Uh, when you were in a country like India, um, uh, one thing I knew that I wanted to go and work in America, like that was one of the dreams of the dreams that I had. Uh, obviously, uh, first one was also uh, getting into computers and doing something with the technology. But uh, I never did uh, pay attention to a lot of studies. I was not a studio student. Like I just passed on the grace, like on the grace of the teachers, I passed my <laughs> exams. Uh, but... Uh, I think I got good at when I got into computers, like when you land into where you fit in, uh, it just automatically happens. So I did that. And uh, so I can relate that. Um, uh, could you unpack, uh, you, you know, you mentioned about the emotional in- intelligence or uh, even before you mentioned that your transition from your first career uh, as a Marine and spending 70 years in a career, because a lot of times people, when they get into one career, uh, they stay there, but after, you know, 15, 20 years of their life, it, it does not excite them anymore. It bo- gets bored and then it becomes harder to transition. So if you can unpack your transition and, um, you know, what things specifically you did to get to where you are and how then emotional intelligence on some of the soft skills, uh, how do you get? Uh, yeah. So here's, Number one is is that transition for any of us, whether it is a transition in career, whether it is a transition from being single to engaged to be to being married to divorced or from transitioning from being overweight to in shape, whatever it is, the transitions can be very disorienting. They could also be very discouraging where the progress um, might be steady, but it feels like nothing's happening. I always like to use this analogy, like the earth, the earth spins, but you don't feel it move. Right. And, uh, it's the same thing when it comes to transitions. Now coming from an environment like the Marine Corps, which is all about service, it's all about leadership and it's all about taking care of your Marines. And it's never about you. It's about the team. You know, in a way it set me up tremendously, um, to care for others, to look out for others, to put everyone's needs in front of my own. But what I noticed was, when I got to, uh, you know, my next career, my next environment, at least, uh, with Amazon, that there was very much a managerial aspect versus a leadership aspect. I, I, I could tell the leadership that I saw demonstrated was kind of learned leadership. Like state people were doing things that they learned in training. You know, it wasn't necessarily from within. So how, how do you do that? If you are in a rigid environment, if you come from somewhere where there's structure and there's numbers and there's goals to be met and um, which is, there's nothing wrong with, by the way, how do you, how do you kind of uncover the emotional intelligence that you need? The first thing you need to do, always is just ask yourself the basis of all your actions. And this is going to sound so rudimentary, but the basis of all your actions should always start with the people that are on your team and the people that are around you. How are you best serving them? Because the more you are able to serve them, the more they are going to serve you. And this isn't strategic. This is just how it should be. So if I am in a managerial role, how, at what capacity can I take care of these individuals, their personal and professional needs? How can I enhance their business knowledge? How can I take their education from what it is uh, a little bit further? How can I reward them for good behavior? How can I also reward them with constructive 
feedback when they're making mistakes, you know, instead of looking the other way and, ha- and, and avoiding those tough conversations. So this is far less about something that you can read on a document and a checklist that you can use to execute your daily duties. This is about personal and professional development happening simultaneously. And the only way that's going to happen using emotional intelligence, honestly, is to just have more conversations. Like you and I uh, know each other kind of fairly well at this point. Uh, but if we kept it simple surface level and just about podcasting questions and not about my mission and not about your mission, then we'd be nowhere. The same thing happens in yeah. the workplace. So I think it's imperative that true leaders understand that this is something that separates companies that are playing the long game and companies versus, um, you know, looking for the short term revenue goals. Uh, those companies are not going to stand a chance uh, in the long term because they're going to have those small wins, but they'll lose over the next decade versus the ones that are having wins here and there who are going to survive the next decade and the one after that and the one after that because they've instilled a culture of of knowledge and emotional intelligence where they actually care for the people. Amazing. Um, um, just out of curiosity, Amazon, I mean, is one of the you know biggest leaders in their space or yes. so many spaces they are in. Um, yes. Do they invest in people like, uh, in these emotional intelligence and, you know, the personal development side along with the professional? Look outside the checkboxes, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so this is, this is my opinion. Amazon is clearly something we've never seen before and will be very, very hard to replicate. Uh, you know, everything they have done, yeah. uh, is, is, is just new. Um, and, and it's, it's incredible to watch and incredible to see. Now, here's the thing with that kind of growth, with that kind of upward mobility and trajectory and just the behemoth that they are, you know, the bigger you get, the harder it is to kind of instill those things that you're, wor- that you're, you know, aiming for. And the reason is there's so many moving parts. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I know they have over 500,000 total employees. I mean, that has to be as of two years ago. So how do you mitigate that by trying to instill emotional intelligence? Well, what you're going to get is your normal, hey, we're having a class on Wednesday type thing. This all comes down to individual leaders, okay? This is not, you know, the kind of classes the mass classes or, you know, everyone just sitting in the cafeteria watching some shitty presentation. Sorry, I don't know if you could swear on here, but um, th- those those are the things that are are just completely repeatable no matter what company you come across. So it's harder because you're more robust. You know, when you're smaller and nimble, um, it's a little bit easier. Now, I will say they focus very, very, very heavily on their core values. And that is is certainly a strength. But I just believe with the size and the mass of the workforce, it becomes harder to implement those things because there's just too many things happening, number one, but too many too many irons in the fire, I guess, is a way to put it. They're always looking at the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And with that just comes a lot of projects, a lot of lack of focus. I mean, I can't even tell you how many one-on-ones didn't happen for me, you know, like that I was supposed to have on a monthly basis to kind of determine my 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 trajectory, my mobility, my performance. So it, it becomes harder. But, um, you know, the takeaway here, I would say, is before you scale or before it really takes off, these things need to be completely implemented. Meaning on a Marine Corps side, for example, if new members were joining the platoon, hopefully the culture was already set. So when those new Marines were not doing things within the standard of that platoon, people were already correcting them. The leader, the, the, the top leader did not have to correct anything because everyone who was a few levels down was already doing it. That is how you know you have something beautiful going on when no one's afraid to correct each other or like we like to call it policing our own. So, again, that was only my experience, um, but I do think it's it's important that these things happen. You need the individual attention, number one, and while you're still small and nimble, this is when you could really make things happen. Yeah, yeah, and and I think if I had to just sum up that, it was, uh, you know, the culture the core values and the leadership, that's all that relies on. I mean, they are, these are the pillars on which the business, any small or big business relies, and that's what differentiates. Uh, and, 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 and I can see that from U.S. Marine that are some of the things that you probably are well-trained and then getting into the corporate America where it's not. I mean, they are on the books, but not usually 
uh, implemented. Uh, so, so if you were there any things that from your first, um, I guess, first experience in the corporate America world that you were able to then take out, um, you know, few bits that you were able to then, when you started on your own entrepreneurship journey, you were able to use them as guiding lessons. Whether it worked in that, uh, you know, it could be something that you didn't want to use or something that you want to use because of your own experience. Yeah, I have to fall back on entrepreneurship. Is is let me let me rewind. Entrepreneurship has been the most difficult leadership challenge I've I've ever had. Um, harder than the Marine Corps, harder than Amazon. Um, it's because you're building everything from scratch. Now, if I had to take anything away from my time at Amazon. It was what I feel separated me the most. And this is something I think your listeners really need to pay attention to, um, which is, I mean, I already mentioned it, but hourly associates, for example, or if you want to say, and I don't mean this uh, in a derogatory way, lower level employees, mm-hmm. you have to really study what they do on a day-to-day basis. And you have to say to yourself, if you have not done those things, would I do that? How long would I last? Could I do that day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year? Like, what is the longevity or what is the lifetime value of one of these people or how long are they going to stay with us? And like I mentioned, big corporations, like we were talking about, like a lot of them don't have a recruiting problem because there's always someone willing to take that kind of work. As long as they have a driver's license and don't need a degree or this or that, then they're just like, okay, they just go from, from job to job like that. But what separates what separates uh, culture and, and uh, kind of we mentioned the emotional intelligence is what can I actually teach them? Because if what they're doing is something I couldn't do 10 hours a day and it was incredibly monotonous and they have no idea what kind of, uh, you know, uh, rewards or gains they can make over the course of a few years, you can be the difference. No matter how technical the job is, no matter how customer facing or non-customer facing it is, it doesn't matter what are you teaching them so they under are understanding the core of the business and why you are doing the things that you used yeah. to or that that you're doing so when i worked on the robotic storage platform i mean it was this robust unbelievably complicated technical and logistical system that we used at a warehouse to get products stow products pick products out get the products out ship them and all these different things but you know what i did i always turned my radio off because leadership was always trying to interrupt my day with a new task, with a new something, with another meeting. And I was just like, I'm not doing this. What I'm going to do is talk to John over there and explain to him that knowing that his numbers may be subpar, I'll explain to him, you know, why we're doing what we're doing, what productivity means, what throughput per hour means, why we have the goals that we have, what this means for his performance, what this means if he wants to transfer another department, all these different things. So enhancing someone's business acumen or just making, setting people up to be in a position to take over what you're doing for that person that's directly beneath you, so to speak, um, you know, for, in my example, like an area manager, like all my area managers, by the time I was done, could do my job. So, you know what happened? They were taken from me and then they gave me some of the low performers in the building. So it was kind of like this cycle and I was very flattered. And at the same time, it pissed me off a lot. But what happened was I just turned them into completely capable managers at the next level. That is the most important thing I think you can do. You need to instill confidence in these people. You need to make sure that they know what they're doing is important. But at the same time, there's so much more to go that they are little by little, day after day, week after week, just becoming more proficient, more efficient, and just smarter. Like people are thirsty for those types of things. Now, obviously, you're going to have people who could care less, but you will find plenty who care a lot. And if you get that going, then your culture is going to be that. That's just going to be something that trickles down all the way and they will become leaders and not managers. That's amazing. And it also kind of ties by what you were saying earlier was, you know, uh, being leader, giving to the people, giving to the organization, yes. whether it's above or below. And I, it's, I remember when I started first getting onto the social platform, right? I'll make a post and I'm like, I have people not liking my post. And, 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 you know, I'll tag and I'll ask people, you know, in the friend circle, 
uh, it took me a while to understand, okay, for me to, you know, have that action coming out of it, I have to give it, I have to serve. And, uh, you know, I listened to uh, people like Gary Vee and all those people just to make sure what I was doing right. In fact, in, in one of your own uh, episodes, you mentioned uh, connect the doors to collect the doors, right? Yeah. That was amazing. Like, uh, how do you connect? How do you serve people first? And one of the big challenge for me was like people that were, uh, you know, I was looking at the people like at my like, okay, how do I serve him? Like there, there could not, there wasn't something I could find that I could serve other than complimenting. And he gets thousands of, uh, you know, compliment. Yeah. And then I realized, okay, I have to just step, you know, in order for me to get there, I have to go like three, four steps ahead. So I have to get and serve the person who's like three or four steps ahead of me to get what they know and, you know, kind of get in there. And, and, it, and I would say that started to change things for me. Like it wouldn't, this wouldn't have happened if I didn't realize that uh, connecting the doors and how I could serve. So I think Absolutely. there is a big little level in that. Okay. Going from, so you mentioned uh, entrepreneurship is hard. Uh, and I know where, and so many know it, but for the people who are still in nine to five and uh, haven't thought, but have these maybe uh, uh, aspirations or somewhere down uh, their mind, they want to do it, but they are, you know, maybe afraid. Um, could you unpack like what is hard and what can be done to take maybe uh, one step, two steps into that uh, yeah. side of the things? I'll start with the latter first. Um, what can be done is to start understanding your role in a business capacity. I always used to, this is one thing I, I really took a lot of pride in. I really wanted to understand the people that were upstream of me, the departments that were upstream and the departments that were downstream of me. So that way I could determine number one, how am I screwing over the people that are that, you know, when I'm next in line for the process, am I in any way, shape or form screwing over the people that are, preceding me? You know, is there anything that we're doing that is not helping them out? Is there anything that's complicating the system or the processes whatsoever for the people downstream? Are we, are we doing anything that is affecting them? Same thing. Like, are we, are we meeting, you know, our time on target, so to speak? Are we meeting our numbers? Are, are, is there anything about our personnel or our systems or processes that are creating barriers? Is there any disconnects? By doing that and having those conversations, I started to understand, uh, you know, I looked at my department more like a business unit, which is something we should all do. Okay. If you look at it as a business unit, mm -hmm. why the numbers matter, what the money is going in is, what the money going out is, um, you know, the processes and the systems, like what happens when we don't meet these numbers? What happens when we exceed these numbers? What happens when we just hit the numbers and don't really have aspirational goals that are going to, uh, that are likely to exceed them? Then you start thinking like someone who's an entrepreneur. And if you are in an organization, then there's a term that's called an intrapreneur. You are operating kind of in an entrepreneurial capacity, but inside of a business. So number one is talk to the people upstream and downstream of you and determine that that's, that's obviously collecting the dots, right? Like kind of like you just mentioned, that's collaborative. It's connecting the dot or collecting the dots. And then you're connecting the dots. Okay. You're connecting the dots in terms of how are you going to be a linchpin, someone who's invaluable in that system. Um, the second thing you could do is just literally request higher level conversations. I know this might sound ridiculous, but ask questions that you know no one else is asking and that's going to stick out. Um, now this, this is the tricky part. If you are not performing, if you are underperforming, then you probably shouldn't be asking these. You need to be brilliant in the basics <laughs> before you start seeking out higher level knowledge, especially when it comes to finances and budgets and, you know, decision-making processes and who's in charge of what and why are they in charge of what. Um, all these things are much, much easier if you happen to be already delivering um, and, and performing at a high level, then people are going to be really willing to educate you. Uh, now, I meant uh, like this whole thing, it seems like I'm, I'm talking about, you know, enhancing your business acumen. And I, I can't help but explain that that is the most important thing here. Um, when, when you said, earlier that you had to learn some of these things. One thing that sticks out to me, the more I think about it in this podcast is people always take a greater interest in what they're doing when they know people are invested in them. That also happens when you are looking at the people that are ahead of you and you are invested in making their lives easier or their jobs easier. You know why? 
everyone always feels like they're drowning in whatever they're doing. So if I'm able to make my, when I was working, his or her life easier and they were my superior, then they would invest in me more. Okay. So that's one, or that was number two. So like, obviously be high performing and then start having some of the conversations of the much higher level thing. So you can have a better picture of it. Now, the last thing I would say in terms of preparation is, um, really adopting a leadership style that is your own. You can look at all the leaders around you, see how they operate. And I like to call it, I used to call it a leadership toolbox. I would literally write down things that I saw that I did not like things that I saw that I did like, and just make sure I was you know, avoiding some of those pitfalls and enhancing some of the things that I liked, but also making it my own. Um, you have to develop your own leadership style outside of the parameters or guardrails of a traditional workforce if you're looking at an entrepreneurship because it's going to be very tough. Now, to answer your first question, mm-hmm. like, or, or what's, what's really challenging about it is the fact that you are creating, you are creating the mission. You are creating the vision. You are creating the values. You are creating the processes and the systems from scratch. And no matter, no matter how similar it is to another business, um, nothing can prepare you for, you know, the hiring decisions and the firing decisions and the paperwork and the administrative things that you never had to think about before, you know, uh, forming an LLC and talking to a lawyer, getting a lawyer to do this, um, having an accountant, um, you know, where are you going to find the talent that you need? Where are you going to find talent that you could afford? Because you probably don't have a ton of money. Uh, how are are you going to pay yourself? Are you not going to pay yourself? Um, you know, what are the standards that customers are looking for or the clients that you're looking for? Uh, you know, what do they want? Uh, how do you stand in comparison to the marketplace? How saturated is the marketplace with what you're serving? I mean, it's endless. It's endless. So it's not, I mean, they don't, they don't call it a leap of faith, uh, for nothing, but at the same time, you can mitigate that by, by truly, truly treating your current state as its own business unit and looking at it that way. Look to see if there's a profit and loss within that business unit. Create one, if not, and be like, here's how much money my department is making on a regular basis. If you get creative like that, I think it's going to put you far, far ahead. And had I known that prior, um, although I was kind of doing it, uh, I think I'd be light years ahead of where I am today. Yeah, that is so brilliant. Uh, Especially looking as your job as a business unit and op- trying to operate, if you have aspirations to go back. And I mean, I'm not done consciously. I unconsciously or uh, unknowingly did uh, in my last um, few years. Uh, so I used to be in technical background, always giving technical solutions. And one day my manager is like, uh, he just said, Manfred, we need to increase our footprint into this account. Let me know if you hear any of the problems that we can solve. And he just said that. And that almost like gave me permission to start looking beyond my box. And uh, for, th- for the first two years, I was just doing this. I was just talking to people in different departments. Okay, what problems do you have? And I'll give them suggestions. And, and then the people started coming to me. Okay, we are having this. What can you do or your company do? And that started generating revenue. So even though, you know, my mindset, if, you, if my manager told me, okay, you know, it is your job to do it. Then my first question would be, okay, what will I get paid? But because he framed it like it didn't seem like my responsibility it was very casual, but it was attractive. I started doing that work. I it just changed, and two years later, you know, I started to in uh, more on the sales side of the role, and uh, within. Uh, next three years, I generated more than ten million dollars of business just by doing solving the problems. But it happened because of me starting to look or somebody in higher leadership thought I could do it and gave me, just dropped me an idea that I should try. And I think that comes huge when somebody at the top does that. Yeah. Let me make a point here. In the absence of guidance is where you are going to find the most growth. We are so used to being like, okay, you want me to do what? Cool. What do you want me to do? Like you are sending a completely different signal when you're like, okay, um, I'll figure it out. And all of a sudden Mm. tap into your creativity, uh, dynamic problem solving, um, you know, kind of, uh, root causing, you know, barriers and, and solving these things that is what I should have said in addition to everything before, but that is going to give you a leg up. And that is entrepreneurial thinking Uh, again, like 
in the absence of guidance, you are going to discover a lot about yourself. We, it's so easy to rely on people telling us what to do. And the truth is we don't want to be executors. Okay. There's nothing wrong with being an executor, mm. but if you want to be an entrepreneur, you have to be a visionary and an executor and to have mm. that vision is going to take a lot of practice and a lot of repetition doing exactly what you just said, which clearly demonstrates that there's a capacity for you to do your thing, right? I mean, like, here we are. So, so that's a really solid point. And, and you just made me think of that. So that's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, moving on from Amazon and you mentioned you tried, um, you know, different things before you ended up in podcast, which was photography, storytelling. Uh, what were you trying to do? Like, was it intentional that, that you knew that, okay, photography would not work? Like, were you trying to find your, so to speak, calling or, like what was happening in that duration? So I don't advise this, but I didn't have a business plan. I, I quit. I quit to decompress. I quit because my responsibilities, my role were very consuming. And I allowed that because I really enjoy working very hard. I become very obsessive. But the thing is, I was putting all that energy into something I didn't want to do and climbing a ladder I didn't want to climb. So when it came time for me to, when I quit, and then it came time for me to explore my curiosities, just, just by, by emotion alone, I knew that I loved to take pictures. I've been over all over Europe. I've taken thousands and thousands of pictures. I just started to really feel like there was something there. And then I started to see that, um, you know, a couple of things. Number one, um, it's extremely, extremely, extremely difficult to make it as a photographer. And number two is, you know, with the evolution of cameras, it's like crazy. I, I mean, like it is not a camera or phones. It's just like unbelievable. So it's like, okay, maybe that's not it. Then I started looking at video uh, because... I mean, like I said, it was Gary V. I was just watching a lot of what he was doing and that was kind of the next step. And then, uh, I did do video production and we do do video production with our company and we help with content creation for social media. But I realized very quickly that what I love to do is just have conversations, have conversations with people who deserve to have a light shed on them. And for those same people to make sure they're having the, their desired impact by reaching others. And again, that's through social media or uh, a medium like podcasting. So. To answer your question fully, I explored my curiosities without feeling like I was committed to anything specific. Um, I really used that time uh, to just explore. And I know that sounds like such a um, fluffy anecdote, but that's exactly what happened. Now, let me explain this as well. Um, I did not have like a huge savings. I had plenty of debt. I didn't have a lot in savings. We moved in with my, my wife's parents. Okay. I'm a, I was a 38 year old retired Marine with an MBA who was just working at Amazon. So look, looking at that from the outside, it looks like what a disaster that guy might be. But to be honest, that changed my life forever. I was willing to just put aside what anyone and everyone might think, including my friends, including my family, regardless of what I wanted to pursue. I put myself first. Um, so when it came to that, that's what I did. I explored my curiosities. I, I thought about what makes me really happy. And if I put more effort into that or go all into that, does this thing, whatever it may be, have the potential to actually be a business? Does it have the potential to be a business or does it have the ability to generate income? And if not, okay, like where am I missing it? Like what are the kind of uh, off ramps to, to this highway that I'm on, on the curiosities that I'm exploring? And that's all that happened. It's a progressive uncovering. So although you might have yeah. an idea of what you want to do while you're still in a traditional workforce, if you ever decide to got, kind of go the entrepreneurial route, just because you're very, very good at something and proficient at something doesn't mean that's something you want to do long term. There are certain things that just kind of tug on us mentally and and maybe like on your soul you know that just yeah. really make you happy and you're like wow like this is the type of thing i miss lunch i, I forget to eat you know or having gone to the bathroom forever because i was just editing this video and i was just trying to make it look so good and tell the story next thing i know like this is it so it's a progressive uncovering i think is the most important thing the process is probably going to be very different for a lot of us but just because and here's mm. one last thing i'll say 
especially for like veterans, this, this happens all the time. We did the same thing yeah. for a decade or two decades or whatever it may be that sometimes you get assigned a role or sometimes you just get educated and continue to ascend on this ladder with different responsibilities and different skill sets. But that doesn't mean that's what's going to make your clock tick, so to speak. So take that time mm. uh, to explore your curiosities and really, really determine like when I get up every day, like I'm going to be excited to do this and follow that. And you might go yeah. in a lot of different directions, but don't worry about what anyone else is saying uh, because it's going to be far more sustainable uh, as long as you're able to be resourceful, like I said, and determine how can this generate income for me. Amazing, amazing. Uh, you went right into where I wanted to go <laughs> with that progressive curiosity because uh, a lot of us just get stuck because we just listen to everybody else who would have done well for themselves, but they didn't do did well just by listening to everybody else either. So, um, and, and that was the thing. I, I think, uh, um, a lot of people, especially in the traditional careers, miss this. And when you have been in a career, whether you've been U.S. Marine for 20 years or you've been in IT engineer for 20 years, you just think that this is all I can do. I mean, this wasn't something I was ever dreamt of doing like when I thought I would do I was going to build an IT company that was my mindset and but by little exploration few steps a day it just came to this and um, I used to always uh, think about like you know if I ever made big money millions and all and I didn't have to work for money would I still be doing the same thing exactly. and I could never you know honestly say yes because I you know after 20 years I, I had I, I had given everything I could creatively in that space, at least what I was doing. And now if I looked at it and I have this question, like, would I be making podcasts or be doing this interviews, connecting with people? Absolutely. I mean, I'm not worried about making money. Um, yes, I want to make money, but it's not the thing that's driving. And I think that only comes when you are taking the, your uh, way of progressive curiosity, following trying to figure out what actually it takes. So I think that would be uh, very valuable for the listeners uh, for taking some steps and going out and just exploring what takes their Absolutely. heart. Okay. Coming to podcast, which is now your, the baby or, uh, you know, uh, the child you're investing most in. <laughs> I don't know if it's the right thing to do that. I say that, uh, but um you know, and you are good. Like I, I, and this is not me just saying me because as a consumer, I, I, I love what you produce and different ways you bring information. You, you know, um, challenge, you make us think, um, uh, of the things that you're not like your post about how LinkedIn is not all that. If you're just podcasting, you know, you're not going to drive everything from the LinkedIn. You have to go outside and drive the business. Uh, so all those thought-provoking questions that you ask, I I, have, uh, I think those are, you know, very valuable for the times because outside there is everybody just doing what everybody else is doing. So that's what makes you different. And I'm really happy that I know you so that I can learn from you. Appreciate that. So in the podcast world, um, what, what would you say, uh, and I'm not going to, I'm not trying to say that one part is better than the other, but like, what is it that excites you the most? There are hundred things and there are hundred things excites you, but what is one thing that just, you know, gets you if you have to pick? Yeah. The best part of what I do is learning from other people. I am being mm -hmm. a conduit of knowledge and information to an audience that needs this information. But that doesn't mean that I'm not learning at the same time. So yes. as a podcaster, I get to ask anything I want about the person, their background, and then their specific, the specific things that I know my audience wants to know, whether it's any, any aspect of entrepreneurship, marketing, it could be sales, it could be negotiating, it can be law, legal aspects of, you know, business, corporations, whatever it may be. 
But I get to learn from these experts. The second thing is I get to network with these experts. And for anyone who is not familiar with, um, you know, my podcast, I, I choose and try to do many of them in person because before I hit record is when it's really magical. And after I stop recording, it's really magical. We have established rapport. So, uh, not only have I established rapport, but I, I have networked. I have established a small relationship. Now I've had some very, very, well-known guests on my podcast. And does that mean we're buds now and that I could call them whenever I want? Absolutely not. But my goal <laughs> is to be unforgettable and to demonstrate to them that I am a different type of podcaster, that it really means a lot to me to get this knowledge and their experience to a certain audience. Uh, but that has to be the best part. Uh, I mean, you said, you know, if I had all the money or you were making millions and millions and millions, like, would you be doing this? And for me, the answer is a thousand percent. Yes. I mean, having conversations and meeting new people and, and I hate the phrase picking their brain, but like literally doing that and just asking them anything I want is by far the best, best part of it. Um, and it's just very invigorating. It energizes me. And I know that they could feel, I, I know they could feel that energy. It's very tangible during that, during an interview. And that's why they show up as their best selves as well. Yeah, yeah, and I can relate to it. The reason we get the transfer from of that energy is because you're feeling, you're just transferring what you're feeling, and that's why we feel as a consumer from that podcast, and that's why we love any of the episodes, like any people we watch, is because of that energy. Uh, that's brilliant. So you have done uh, 182 episodes. I just checked before the hour episode. <laughs> there are live, I mean, there are more in production, but... What are some key things from 182, like, if you were had to summarize, like, uh, you know, if you were to put pencil down five things on one page, that would be your learning from this journey. What would be some of those things? Uh, this is a great question. Um, I'll, I'll try and do five here. So number one is batch your content. I just literally made an Instagram reel about this. Batch your content, meaning... Set aside a day in which you primarily record, whether it's a narrative podcast or a solo podcast, or if you have guests, set aside a day. Like I have my Calendly, um, and I have, uh, for Fridays and it's a, it's a, people can schedule themselves for the podcast, uh, when I get them the link or if I reach out to anyone. But I know on Fridays, that's kind of like my heavy podcast day where I have four to five hours set aside for that. If I only have one podcast, then I'm making YouTube videos. So that's kind of a content creation day. So the th same thing goes for, for whatever it is um, that you're trying to excel at. You have to make mm. it very non-negotiable. So I would say batch recording and, and just never compromising on that and just making sure that you do that. And the second thing I would uh, say that I learned is that you're going to want to quit. Um, and that's okay. You're going to want to quit, but that doesn't mean you should quit. Uh, from every time you feel like, you know, there's about to be a breakdown, there's going to be a breakthrough. Um, I almost quit after 50 episodes and I'm very, very fortunate that I didn't. But, um, again, uh, I mentioned it's a progressive uncovering as far as entrepreneurship, but in content creation, there's a progressive uncovering as well. You will, you're, you're, you're not going to have enough data if you do 20 episodes and ask yourself, like, why is nothing happening? You need to do it for a while because you are going to endure a lot of improvement and a lot of lessons. So uh, know that you're going to quit and that pivoting is kind of going to be a very normal thing. Three is ask guests on if you have a guest podcast uh, that actually are going to provide value for your audience. I see a lot of people make this mistake of just like having people they know on the podcast, people who they're really good friends with and whatever. And that's not a value add. You don't want to feel um, like 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 this is a good example of how it should be done. But if we were like bros and we really knew each other, no one's going to enjoy that conversation because it's going to feel like you're going to feel like a third wheel if I'm listening to that podcast. So um, really be selective about the people that you bring on the podcast uh, so to make sure that they are going to meet the goal you have for your listeners. Um, the fourth thing I would say uh, in terms of podcasting lessons learned is, let's see here. You can edit this if you need to, but um, fourth thing... 
the fourth fourth thing I would say is it's not about the gear. Uh, I could tell you, I mean, I have a great microphone and I have a, you know, a good mixer and I have a couple screens here and all these other things. And I'm literally in a new home uh, right now. And I have not set up the quote unquote studio, but I also don't need a studio content matters more than equipment by far. Now, look, if it's unlistenable because your microphone is awful or because you have bad acoustics or because of whatever, then that's another thing. You don't want it to be a distraction, but at the, at the main thing is it's going to be, um, very much related around the content. People are very forgiving of it not being completely sexy uh, in terms of have, uh, if you have great content. Um, then the last thing I would say is you can't... Podcasting is very, very saturated, which is fine. There's still a lot of opportunity. Um, but whatever you're thinking, try and not be so general. Um, try and be very ultra specific. And I'm going to tell you, um, and I didn't, I don't know if we've talked about this offline, but episode 200, I'm making a very, it's a perfect time to pivot. And I'm going to be rebranding uh, the leadership blocker um, to the midlife entrepreneur. I want to talk to people uh, who have had uh, a lot of experience in one career or multiple careers, and now they're kind of at that stage in their life where they're, they're discouraged and they're unhappy and they want to pivot and they want to make a transition. My podcast is going to revolve around that. That doesn't change anything in terms of my guest selection and the knowledge they could bring in it. For me, it's it's... It's all I talk about anyway. I want more people to take advantage of this kind of second half of their their lives, their life, so to speak. Right. So no matter how far down the wrong road you go, you could always turn around. And um, you know, whether it's the wrong road or whether it's just a road that's run out, um, I want to be influential in terms of making that happen and encouraging people to to pursue what they want. Now, the reason I even mentioned that was not a plug, but because it's more specific than the leadership blocker. There's plenty of people doing shows about entrepreneurship, but I have a very specific audience. They're 35 to 45. Some of them are soccer moms. Some of them are people who've been in corporate America and are bored out of their minds and just really want to um, kind of unleash what they have and, and to attract a different audience. So the, the the you can start broad, but if you start niche, that will allow you to go broader later and capture a bigger audience. So start very, very specifically. And I think that's going to bode well for you rather than starting broad and trying to niche down. Brilliant. Brilliant. It is all, I think it's important for the audience or anybody, uh, you know, who is aspirational about building podcasts, but this right there was gold for me. All right. Uh, I'm going to just ask one last question and sure. that be it for today. How much of uh, mental strength or mental fitness do you think uh, is important in today's world, whether it's you know, doing nine to five job, relationships, building business, podcasting, anything? It is everything. I have never been more mentally tough than I am now. And I'm, I mean, I used to be a Marine. <laughs> like I've been in combat. Um, I am more mentally tough now because I want this so bad. I want to win. I want to excel. I want to serve so badly. And like I mentioned, it is so unbelievably difficult because I'm building everything from scratch that it has tested my leadership capabilities, my mental aptitude, my business acumen, everything uh, at, at very, very high levels. So in order for me to excel and to put myself in a position, I had to become very mentally strong, which means uh, relieving myself of distractions. I stopped drinking um, uh, in April of 2019 because I was starting to focus heavily on the podcast and it meant so much to me. I was like, you know what? I can't have days where I'm foggy. I can't just have weekends where I drink a lot uh, or anything like that. I started taking my physical health uh, a lot more seriously, especially in the last year. Um, when I go to the gym, I call it mental health. I don't call it like fitness or you know physical health. <laughs> yeah. It's mental health for me. I do that first thing in the morning. Um, that's just me. We, you can do it anytime you want, but that helps me. I get outside. 45 minutes a day, you know the deal. So 45 minutes a day, I get outside and I just make sure that I'm, you know, kind of alone and, and thinking. I read um, and I don't watch a lot of TV. I, I mean, I don't even have cable, to be honest. And it's football season. It's like, geez, man. Like, so, so <laughs> mental strength means doing what everyone else is unwilling to do. That to me is the mark of a, a new level of seriousness, uh, a new level of commitment, and just kind of really uncovering the discipline you need in order to make this work. 
Um, if you are able to do those things and if you are able to make those kind of tough decisions the way I have, you're going to feel like I do, which is I am going to succeed. And no matter how many twists and turns happen here, no matter what the business looks like a year from now or what it looked like two years from now or the people I'm talking to now, the opportunities are going to come because I'm working hard, I'm being diligent, and I'm relieving myself of distraction. I'm, it's addition through subtraction. I'm taking away things from me so I could add into my mental capacity and to my acumen, and, and that's ultimately what's going to help me win. Mm, amazing, amazing. And I know, uh, uh, you know, you're going to win like, uh, it's not because you're doing this show, but I know that like uh, the people I talk online, I mean, it's what people talk behind your backs like. And when I interact with somebody behind backs and whoever says about Rich Cardona, they are just saying great things. It's because, you know, nobody can ignore your work ethics and the, um, uh, you know, hard work you're putting in. And so I'm so, I'm honored that you, you came as a guest. I'm proud to know you. And I am just, you know, looking up and looking where you're heading. And I'm just following your footsteps. So thank you very much for this. Before you go, where can people find you? Um, thank you so much for having me on. And And I felt like I went on a little diatribe about myself at the end there. But what I was trying to just yes. really, really, really give you all is, that the things that you don't want to do the most are probably the things that you need to do. Um, and, and I think that's going to be the difference. Uh, anyway, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn and Instagram and my podcast. So I will be at Rich Cardona um, underscore on Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm Rich Cardona. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel, Midlife Entrepreneur. That's Rich Cardona. And then the podcast yeah. for the, for depending on when this is published, it will be the leadership locker or it will be the Midlife Entrepreneur. But um you could find some really, really fantastic entrepreneurs uh, on my show. I've had Andy Frisella on, Gary V on a couple times, uh, best selling, five time best selling author, Dory Clark, uh, just fantastic guests, um, who are going to help you in all areas of entrepreneurship and just kind of uplifting your life and leveling up. So, uh, that's where you could find us, but thank you so much, uh, for having me on. It was an absolute pleasure. Uh, and thank you. And I'll put all these links will be there and people listening to this, go subscribe. If you don't already know Rich Cardona, you need to know this man because, you know, he's going to be the next Gary Vee's or Ed Miles. It, it's happening. And I could already see that. So, uh, and when that happens, you can go back to this episode because this is where it was. <laughs> now yeah, it's first let's time do ever. It. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. See you. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. And if you liked it, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you leave your comments. Really important that you let me know what you liked, what you didn't like. What would you like to listen to more? If you like what you listen, check out other episodes. They're exactly what you need from different guests, different strategies. And I'll see you on the next episode. Till then, like, subscribe, and do leave me comments. Thank you.